Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 45, Derek the Black Beast Lewis versus Chris Dawkins and Shaq. It's going down. Final event of 2021 live at the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. You got the number one KO artist, not just in the heavyweight division, Shaq, in the history of the sport, taking on a guy in Chris Dawkins who... He's four for four with four KOs in the UFC to start things off. I mean, have there been any baseball players that started off their careers four for four with four home runs? Like, because like that's basically what this kid Chris Dawkins is doing, and just the the physical maturation he's made over the years compared to his regional scene. Not to mention he's a black belt in jujitsu, hasn't had to show it yet. But with Derek Lewis, I mean, it's easy for people to sit here and say, "Oh, it's knockout or bust." But I mean, we're talking about a guy that beat Francis and Gano. We're talking about a guy that beat Alexander Volkov. We're talking about a guy that beat Curtis Blades. He's beat all the best guys in the division, you know, besides uh, the interim champ, Cyril Gahn. But aside from that, he's beat the who's who. So this is a big test for Chris Dawkins. Chris Dawkins gets this dub. All of a sudden, it's, hey, uh, welcome to the top five, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I've been high on Dawkins since the debut. We fought Parker Porter put him down very nicely, very easily. So he had my attention then, and, I mean, the, the performances have uh, followed up. I mean, knockouts in each one. Um, but this is a big test now. Lewis, like you said, I mean, he knocked out Curtis Blades. It's very hard to beat Curtis Blades if you're not in Gano, you know. Um, then he he beat Shamil as well before uh, a few fights ago. So, I mean, I feel like Derek Lewis is always live for the KO, no matter how much he's getting beat up. I mean, we've seen him pull off comeback KOs before, and we're going to really see what Dawkins is about, man. I mean, he's been dominating these fights, but I got to expect there's going to be some uh, adversity in this one. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And it's also one of those things where you could see that situation where Dawkins is teeing off on him, and it only takes that one shot from uh, Derek Lewis to come back and win the fight. And I know that sounds you know, like a far fetch and this and that. Dude, you saw him lose like 14 minutes for his Volkov and, and never quit. Go out there and starch the man, take his ranking, you know, move up. And I mean, Chris Dawkins, look, I'm not trying to bring up things from the past because I think that he's much improved. But if you want to get down to the nitty gritty, um, you know, the last time he was truly extended. Now, I know I know the Shamil fight went a couple seconds into round two, and maybe that's a big sign of improvement. I mean, the guy slimmed down tremendously, but I still can't get that one fight out of my head against the kid that lost to Ledette. Um, we, we just know he's been knocked out before he can be knocked out again. Now, granted, got to fully acknowledge the improvements he's made. So five rounds is a long time for these guys to stay conscious. I have a feeling someone will at some point hit the deck shack in this main event yeah i mean he definitely has uh made big strides and um you know i think that or maybe the last one was but i know one of these fights is uh he doesn't he's not a police officer anymore man so he doesn't have to uh you know stress himself out on that side of things he could just focus on fighting now so we'll see how see how he looks oh so i can ask him to smoke a blunt and not have to (laughs) worry about the repercussions (laughs) or uh (laughs) or is he a welcome or would he be like hey uh anyways co-main event of the evening (laughs) we got a matchup between the legendary steven wonderboy thompson he's 16 and 5 taking on Bilal. remember the name muhammad who's 19 and 3 and i mean like listen man this is Bilal's opportunity you've been asking for that top five guy 
Well, here you got the number top, the number five guy on planet Earth right in front of you. Uh, Steven Thompson's a puzzle, man. I mean, that karate style, not a lot of guys are used to it. And just bringing in one or two karate guys for a couple month training camp isn't going to truly teach you how to how to deal with his style but Bilal muhammad's one of these guys he's relentless he goes forward he doesn't take no for an answer and, and he's well-rounded man i mean he can mix in takedowns he can stuff takedowns his striking ain't half bad i mean i doubt he wants to come out here and have a a point distance uh striking you know uh battle with uh with stephen thompson but i think if he can make this a gritty dirty fight where takedown attempts are involved that can make it very interesting yeah, I mean, Steven, uh, yeah, he's a tough puzzle. It's hard. The distance is a lot hard for these guys that kind of look lost. Um, I mean, he's had some good performances as of late. Um, definitely, I wouldn't say he's a top three, like, serious threat to the title, but he's still right there, man. He's still uh, just signed a new contract. He's getting up there in age. So, I mean, he cl they clearly still see something in Bilal, like, is a, a solid workman, man. I mean, he's well-rounded. He can do everything. Not necessarily known for his KO power or anything like that, but he mixes it up well. He's durable. I mean, I've seen him take some shots. Uh, what was that fight against Lyman? I mean, he ate some big shots in that third round, and he, and he uh, you know, held on and did his job, man. So I'm, I'm super excited for this one. Absolutely. So we're going to break down the whole card start to finish. I mean, this card is... For the last card of the year, I, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. I mean, we got Amanda Lemos, who is a hot prospect. You got a Sun Sao, uh, given, you know, his gatekeeper role to, to Ricky Simone. I mean, like, let's see if Ricky can pass this uh, perennial top 15 tough out in Rafael Sun Sao. I'm going to mention Rafael's uh, resume when we get to his fight. And then you also got Diego Ferrer versus Matush Gamrot, Cub Swanson, Elkins. I mean, Hione, Gerald Mearshart. Like, th this is a way to kick off. This is a way to uh, close out 2021, my man. Yeah, 100%. You know, I'm excited for some of these fights. Uh, like Hione's coming back from his loss. Um you know, we got even my boy uh, King Kong Mays, man, Dontel Mays. You know, I'm interested to see if he can uh, take care of business against that guy. Well, Shaq, uh, let's get right down to business. Uh, everybody do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We appreciate it. And we'll talk about our sponsor prize picks uh, before the main card. But first, man, in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Matt Sales. He's eight and three taking on Jordan Levitt, who is eight and one. And currently they got Jordan Levitt minus 120. The comeback on Matt Sales is plus 100. This is, this is a tough one for me to call. I mean, I'd say Jordan Levitt, a bit of a specialist. I mean, we don't got to worry about his hands. We don't got to worry about his kicks. We don't got to worry about his one-punch knockout power. We got to worry about him taking people down, transitioning to the back, you know, riding out moments of top control, looking for submission attempts, the scrambles. That 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 That's what jordan levitt brings with matt sales you know i'm kind of curious where he's been word on the street man is he put on like 250 pounds in his offseason i was thinking maybe he uh wanted to step in for harry hunsucker or justin taffa in case uh you know someone pulled out man but now now he's back and correct me if I'm wrong, he was fighting at 45s now he's moving up to 55s yeah yeah so you know 
probably the right decision. I mean, Matt Sales can bang, man. I mean, I enjoy watching Matt Sales on the feet. It's just historically speaking, um, he has. It's not that it's not that he sucks on the mat or anything like that. It, it's just that you know better grapplers are going to give him issues, man. Whether it's George Hickman back in the day, I know you remember that fight where he got taken down multiple times. The Bryce Mitchell fight was easy work for Bryce. And then even in the Kyle Nelson fight where he won, I mean, in that first round, he, he was in a locked-in rear naked choke, man. And it's like, on one hand, you got to give a lot of credit to the heart of Matt Sales for surviving that, coming back to actually win a, uh, with a submission of his own. But on the other hand, if you're getting into positions with guys like that, I mean, that's Jordan Levitt's bread and butter, right? So that's what I'm worried about. I kind of think that if Matt sales shows up to the best of his abilities, that maybe the first round sketch, maybe he gets taken down, but he can survive. And then rounds two and three, that's when I think Levitt might start shooting from a mile out. That's when I think Levitt might start trying to pull guard and on the feet. I, I, I am confident saying that Matt sales can piece him up. So my lean is Matt sales, but I am obviously sketched out. The guy's been out for two years. He ballooned up to 250 pounds. This is a new weight class for him, but I think it's a decently evenly matched uh, fight here. So I'm going to lean sales. Yeah, you know, Jordan Levitt definitely, he, he did fight Puelos, who's on a roll, but that last performance, I think he got exposed badly. And when you really look at it, like he he tapped out Bavon's little bro. Um, just, but other than that, man, I don't see much, like outside of the submission thing, I don't see much effort. I don't see much fire. Like his striking is terrible. Um, and Matt Sales, I mean, look, he definitely ballooned up. He had a kid. He ballooned up to uh, 250 pounds. And, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some skepticism on, like, man, you ballooned up to 250 pounds. Like, what was going on? You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, hey, I, I guess he lost the weight. I, he's moving up a weight class. Uh, offensive firepower, this ain't even close. I mean, Matt Sales, when you look at the guys that he's lost to, we're talking, you know, Shaman Marais, like a guy with an extensive history of knocking people out, or or uh, Bryce Mitchell's undefeated. I mean, you saw what Bryce did to uh, Andre Feely. I mean, like, you know, I can't even uh, attribute it to him not having a ground game. I just think uh, Bryce Mitchell is that much of a spe like a real specialist when it comes to the wrestling and the uh, grappling. So, you know, uh, look, if he, if he can get on sales and submit him, then... Would it shock me? No, but I just think that Sales is the is the better fighter, you know, overall, man. I think that his firepower is Jordan Leavitt's not going to like taking these shots. Um, and he's just been in there with much tougher competition, man. This kid, you know, knocked out Matt Wyman. I, who, who's he beat on the contender series? Uh, some dude named Luke Flores. Uh, I think I know that dude and his records like padded as hell, but like, um, but yeah, in that post fight, <laughs> to say the least, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I saw the, uh, the fight with Puelas. I mean, once he, once he got shut down on the grappling side of things, I mean, he pretty much didn't even try. So I'm going to go with, um, Matt sales to get back on track and you know, he's two and two now he needs this, uh, he needs this third win so he could keep going. So I think he, he knocks Jordan leaving out. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Dante Mays. He's eight and four, taking on Josh Parisian, who was 14 and four. And currently, they got Dante Mays minus 185. The comeback on Josh Parisian 
is plus 160. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be 100% honest with you. Like, like I always want to be my man. Uh, Dante Elmez, man. I mean, on one hand, you know, he, he did lose to, to Alan Crowder. So that's one of those things where it's like you lose to Alan Crowder and that's a big fucking deal. But at the same time, we're dealing with a guy who's six foot six. We're dealing with a guy with an 81 inch reach. We're dealing with a guy who was born in the 90s. So he still got youth on his side. And I mean, his striking output and, and his accuracy and his defense ain't even that bad. It's just he does tend to eat a lot of shots. He tends to slow down down the stretch. Not quite sure, uh, you know, not to quench, not to question his mental state, but I, I, I'm curious how much he truly believes in himself. Um, basically, I think he's been underperforming. I think that he's a talented, athletic guy. Just we haven't seen the best from him. And with Josh Parisian, I, I got to keep it 100 with you, man. Like, I have not been impressed with this guy at all. Um, he eats way too many shots i mean as you can see right here shag by what the numbers say over six strikes absorbed per minute at heavyweight that's not a good look uh, on the flip side though one thing he does bring to the table is he's that kind of guy that you know he's constantly throwing so you know if his output is greater than yours there's a chance he can get that decision it's just on the flip side he gets hit almost as much as he lands so it's like it's never the best look he's also not the fastest guy i can see him take you know take over the second and third round of dante kind of gases here but honestly man i wouldn't be surprised if we saw one of the better performances from dante Mays and finally use that that striking background he has come out here land the harder shots and possibly put parisian away man um I thought Parisian lost that rookie Martinez fight, I, and that that's a litmus test for the for no offense, but for the bottom of the barrel. So, give, give me Dante Mails to come out here and win. I'm not sure how, but just give me Dante's as my pick. Yeah, you know it's a it's a tough fight. I see a lot of people um, rolling with Dante Mays. You know, this is my thing with this fight. Like I I think Mays is the more talented, the more you know, uh, physically gifted, all that good stuff, but. Man, like he strikes me as a guy that's gonna be like a letdown. Like as in, like he's gonna find a way to, to he, he's gonna find a way to make this closer than what it is. And you know, I actually rewatched the, uh, I actually rewatched the uh, Parisian versus Roque Martinez fight. I mean, look, yeah, Roque could have won, but he did multiple things to make it closer, man. And the thing I noticed that Parisian's good at is when he does get off, he 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 will get off in like four or five, six punch combinations. I mean, like like if he throws, but it's like, man, he's been in there with a big old a uh, beefy guy like Parker Porter. That's why those numbers are so inflated. I mean, Parker Porter, I know you saw what he did to Chase and, and this guy. I mean, Parker Porter can get off, man. So um, as we're at Dontel, you know, Roque Martinez just doesn't do enough. Um, I think Parisian has been fighting with some type of injury because he's got like his foot wrapped up or something like that. So who knows if he comes the, uh, the best. I know he had a nice KO on the uh, contender series. I forget who it was against, but I know he's spinning back fisted a guy. Um, didn't he have like a couple appearances on contender series or am I, am yeah, am I wrong so, about that? Um, there was Chad Johnson. No, that was punches from mounts. Uh, oh yeah, he did. Greg Ribello had a pretty good record. Uh, okay. So he wins on contenders. They make him go to the ultimate fighter. He loses on the ultimate fighter. Then they give him another chance on contender series. And it was like, 
uh, all right, fine. We'll sign you. Come on, I kid. We need heavyweights. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, this fight's close to me, man. Uh, Dante might crack him, but even in that Rogue Martinez fight down the stretch, he kind of just slowed down and, you know, it was a drop off to me. But I, do, I definitely think he's the, the uh, more talented fighter here. It's just like, please, man, don't, don't. Don't start quitting down the stretch, you know, like, because that's Parisian. That's why he won that fight against Martinez. He did good down the stretch. So um, I'll take Dante Mays, but I'm going to say by a close, close decision, a.k.a. A, a robbery decision that Parisian might win, just like the last <laughs> one. But, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. Now, next up in the featherweight division, featherweight, let's note that. Raquel Pennington, she's 12 and 8, taking on Macy Chauzon, who is 7 and 1. And currently, they got Raquel Pennington minus one seventy-five. The comeback on Macy Chazon's plus one fifty. So I mean, listen, Macy Chazon's always had a lot of physical advantages, man. I mean, when you think about it, she's five foot eleven. <laughs> she's got a seventy-two inch reach. Like these are, she's got a longer reach than Max Holloway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, man? And um, trains at a great camp. I love the the striking ratio. Lands. Four only eats two, 49% striking accuracy. So I, I like these numbers I'm seeing from her. Um, my only concern on the Macy Shaozan side is that I think that when things aren't going smooth sailing, that you know, she might she might start to question things. She might feel like, okay, just live to fight another day, which it is what it is. But Raquel Pennington, for the most part, I, I know the Nunes fight was what it was, but for the most part. I mean, she's tough as nails. One thing about Raquel that we can rely on is she's gritty. She's durable. She's going to go out there, and she's so experienced. She's good at winning these close decisions. Um, and and, and I, I think that she's got enough to set back the young and up-and-coming Shaozan, who, who I think has a bright future, who I think trains at a great camp, who's going to have safe Saud in her corner. Uh, what was he saying in the Landsberg fight between rounds? Like, he, he was going off yeah, on... Uh, uh, so the, the only issue I have with confidently saying I got Pennington is that even though she does find a way to win these fights, a lot of them are like split decisions, man. So it's like it's a game of inches here. So I do lean Pennington. But I mean, if someone wants to take a shot on Shaozan and, and hope for that split decision, I mean, I can't sit here talk you off of it. But I personally slightly lean towards Raquel to, to, to just edge this one out. Yeah, it's a tough fight because of the weight class for me. Um, I think 145 much favors Chesson. I mean, when she was on tough, she was running through girls at 145. But, you know, now she's been having to to suffer and cut these uh, these 10 pounds. And look, we know Chesson's very green. Um, but, like, she's had a lot of time in between fights, in between the, the last one and now this one. So I'm expecting improvements. And... The thing I'm really interested about is like Raquel spends a lot of time in the clinch, man. And, you know, she's trying to clinch a girl who's like almost six foot. Like, I, I feel that she might struggle, struggle in that aspect, you know, where usually she's dominating that aspect, um, except like against. But like when you look at Raquel's uh, resume, I mean, she only loses to to former champions, um, GDR, Holly Holm. Um, Nunes, who else she lose to? Andrade, like she she doesn't really lose to these type of girls. So I definitely understand uh, 
why she's favorite, but you made a good point. Like a, a lot of her fights are coming down to the wire. And now that you mix in, you know, the 145 thing, the size, who knows? And let's see if Macy's in, in, improved at all. You know, um, I think this fight could be lying closer, man. I, I can't necessarily say Shazan's gonna, gonna win this fight, but I think there's a lot of good factors going for her, like her not cutting the extra 10 pounds, Raquel having that extra 10 pounds. So um, we'll see. I might actually take Chaz on in an upset, but, you know, I understand why Raquel's favorited. I mean, she's got a good resume, so. Speaking of another fight that's moving up to 145 pounds, we got Charles Jordan. He's 11-4. and four. Well, he's been at 45s, but I'm talking about his opponent, Andre Uhl. Who was 17 and 8, who's finally moving up because I mean we're about to find out. Was it the weight cut issues or or is it a matter of you know Andre can sometimes flake out in these fights? Because the thing that the, the reason why I always am tempted to like give Andre a chance, even though he's let me down. And when I when I die, I want him to lower me into my grave so he can let me down one last time. I mean, like, dude, he's got a six-inch reach advantage in this fight. Um, his volume is on point. I mean, his hands, they're, he's long. Like, I like Andre Uhl. It's just some of this decision-making. Uh, also, maybe maybe some slight questions about the gas tank past round one. He tends to slow down. Ah, man, I just wish that one day he put it all together. And then I find myself saying the same thing about Charles Jordan, who I think he's ultra-talented, man. I mean, like, if you really look at what he's been doing out here, man, I mean, he's he's landing knockdowns against, you know, Julian, which a lot of people not a lot of people knock down Julian. And, and I'm going to get to that fight in a sec. Two against Rojo, one against Feely, two against Duho. So so he's been knocking down most of his opponents that he's been fighting. Also showed that he can land uh, over 100 significant strikes in that Rojo fight, which didn't even go all 15 minutes. So. The guy's got the volume. Here's where he fucked up with the Erosa fight. If you really pay attention to the details, guys are going to drop Erosa every single fight, but the guys that kind of let him off the hook, that's the biggest mistake you can make when you're fighting Julian Erosa. I don't know what it is. Julian Erosa is a good fighter when he's not getting knocked out. And if you drop Julian Erosa and you let him off the hook, He's going to come back out there with that veteran savvy. That, and he gave the young kid a vet lesson. But what we got to understand is that when we're dealing with a kid like Charles Jordan, he was born in 1995. He's just a kid. He's going to be making these big improvements every single time. And, and he's been kind of thrown to the wolves, man. I mean, Des Green in that debut. Duho Troy was, I mean, I know his chin is gone since Jeremy and Cub, but like Duho was, that was a big name. And it was in Europe, too. I mean, not in Europe, in China. China or Korea? South Korea. It was in Korea in where Duho Choi is from. Uh, Andre Feely for your third fight. Andre Feely's had like how many times the fights that? Close to 20. You know what I'm saying? So what, what, what I'm saying is that this kid's like literally like he's not getting any easy fights. And Andre Uhl has been hit or miss, but he's not an easy fight either. So I think both guys are going to have to dig deep. I'm just curious to see how Andre Uhl looks up a weight class, right? Because it's like cutting the 35s was he not taking the punches out as well towards the end because of that or is he just chinny like what, what's the deal so there's a chance he comes out here and performs a lot better at, at this weight class and charles ordain i'm waiting for him to finally put it together so i don't know this is a tough one for me to call man i'll, I'll lean jordan but 
I guess you you can definitely make an argument for some line value on on Ool at the you know at the plus one sixty plus one seventy line. It's just you know I've been burnt out trying trying those games before with Ool. So let's see if he looks different at forty fives. What do you think? Yeah, I think the weight class is a big uh, hindrance for this guy, and I actually don't think Charles Jordan is that talented to be honest. Um, I mean, I think he's you know got good kicks and definitely turns up in the later rounds. But, man, I feel like Andre Uhl has just been a detriment to himself, whether it's his team or just the weight. I mean, how tall is he? Like 5'11"? Yeah. Yeah, like tall. we're talking about a 5'11 Bantamweight, man. Like that's like – He's a little shorter than that, but yeah. 5'10"? 5'8". 5'8". But 75 75 inches. He's like fucking long arms, long legs. Um, and, and I feel like he – yeah, he kind of does get uh, – tired down the tired down the stretch but i mean when you cut all that weight man you only have a good window to be fresh man and i see it. the first rounds he's good in. you know what i'm saying first rounds he's good and it's just the the longer it goes you know but when i when i have a feeling you're probably cutting north of 20 pounds and you know uh the week of the fight then i mean that gas tank is gonna go down my thing with jordan is look at these last few fights that he's been in he fought Kulabau, which he was like minus 500 some crazy and i was like i don't understand why he's uh he's like you know this big because kulaba only lost one fight to uh jalen turner and he did not live up to that line then we go to the rojo fight great finish but the first two rounds i mean luckily rojo took it on short notice because you know i mean the first two rounds could have went either way i mean what was he lined up in that fight like a big favorite again he was like minus 400 minus 300 like you know, and then the Julian Arosa fight, you know, I was honestly interested in, in him in that fight, but I had to hold myself back just because I'm like, this dude doesn't live up to his lines, man. He is consistently close. Um, yeah, he knocked out Duho, but Duho's like a, the the South Korean Garbrandt, man. It's like, <laughs> he can't take a punch. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is, man. So uh, I think he's a little overrated, man. I think this could be a good spot for Andre, you know, if he's looking better. But I do expect him to look better. His job's on the line as well. So, I mean, I'm expecting the hungriest uh, Andre Ull that we've ever seen, man. I think he's going to pull off this upset just by, you know, just giving different looks, man, going forward. Because it seems like Jordan, like, he'll get on the offensive. But seems like he doesn't have a bad chin to me. But, like, he's always on the defense, shelling up and you know, I feel like he could just be more on the go. Seems like he waits to like the third round, I guess. But we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm going with uh, Andre Ul for the upset. And next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Sajara Eubank. She's seven and six, taking on Melissa Gatto, who was seven zero oh, and two. And currently, they got it. Just depends where you look, but minus one sixty Eubanks. The comeback on Melissa Gatto is plus one forty. So Gatto was coming off that long layoff where. The fight prior to the layoff, she uh, she, she <laughs> finished Carl Hosa in the first round. But, you know, you were wondering about a lot of these fights. Goes to her back a lot. But comes in there in that UFC debut. Hands look a lot better. I understand who, who the opponent was. But still, the hands looked a lot better. Um, the, the scrambling's always been on point. Her aggression is there. Um, but I think I, what I like most about her is, is honestly just – her fieriness, her scrappiness, her willingness to even if you put her on her back, she's consistent. She's consistently attacking for submissions. Now, 
that might be kind of hard to do against uh, Lloyd Irvin Black Belt, which is what Sajara Eubanks is. But, man, there's a lot of these fights where Sajara Eubanks, she's got these credentials. I mean, she honestly should have been a UFC world champion. I mean, it was her versus Nico Montano for the belt. She had to pull out due to weight issues, and then they put Roxanne Modafferi in there. So we could be looking at a former champ in Eubanks, but at, at the same time, man, it's like some of these fights, she just underperforms where you want to see her do a lot better. I mean, it's so impressive that she beat Lauren Murphy once she did. Beat Roxanne Modafferi uh, twice, if you want to get technical, because Ultimate Fighter, that counts. I mean, the head kick of Deanna Bennett. So, um, But then, on the other hand, she's lost to Aspen Ladd twice. Y'all saw that Aspen Ladd main event with Norma Dumont? <laughs> I know most of y'all forgot about it, but and if any of y'all ever have trouble sleeping you know fuck taking a sleeping pill just pop on uh, aspen lad versus norma dumont and you're gonna get that nice uh rem sleep you're gonna get that nice deep sleep you wake up refreshed the next morning um and then there's also been spots like uh sajara versus betchy cohea where she was like minus three something and completely dropped the ball against a fighter who, who did, did she recently retire or is she about to retire she well yeah, retired. She retired. She retired after yeah. the host of fight, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So against a retired fighter. Um, so I, I'm not quite seeing what I want. But then other times she'll go in there against Julia Vila, give her that vet lesson, show her that, like, hey, like there's levels to this shit. So I'm I'm on the fence because I think Melissa Gatto, she's made big improvements in her time off. I like her scrambling ability. I like how she knows where her strengths lie. My only concern is that Sajara with you know, that jujitsu background that she has can possibly get on top and neutralize the sub attempts and kind of just win two of the rounds and win a decision. So that's what I'm scared of. But since I'm going back and forth on this, I'm going to end up actually taking the dog because I think she's got a little bit more more tenacity, more ferocity. I think she wants it a little bit more. I think she's got a point to prove coming off that layoff. And I think that last fight she had was a lot to build off of compared to to her last fights like she's incrementally getting better every single time so as long as she doesn't get held down for two of the three rounds i, I think she can make this close man so uh let me uh let me go with the underdog gato here yeah man this is tough because if i'm not mistaken um eubanks ain't if she makes 125 i don't think she's lost uh at 125 so that's why she's going back down to this weight class um she was at 35 i mean she didn't lose to any scrubs either kianzad Vieira, um aspen lad um that's good hey, that was a scrub but like, uh, I, sorry sorry i don't really understand this comment 20 minutes in i can confidently say Shaq watched cody's show like a dog like you're talking about cody garbrandt's like fight versus kai car like i don't understand the comment Co- neither, so. who, who's cody <laughs> like what does that am i misreading something i don't know we can move on but yeah i'm not sure what that comment means can you elaborate but anyways keep going yeah um i was saying um you know she she definitely has more experience against like better girls um didn't lose to any scrubs and, and she's beat lauren murphy mata fairy um so like at 125 she hasn't really lost and Gato looks very talented. I mean, to beat Carol Rosa and break her arm, I mean, it, she looks like she hurt the, what's the girl's name uh, from last fight? Uh, Leonardo. Leonardo looks like she hurt her arm too. So we know that this girl can, uh, you know, hurt arms. It's just like you said, Eubanks is a, not just a Lloyd Irvin, but if I'm not mistaken, she's a world champion uh, jujitsu player as well. So 
it's gonna be a tough fight. Sajara's got heart. She's tough. She just has like a gassing problem a little bit. Maybe that's with the extra weight. But I, I, I want to see if she actually makes the weight because you know she's like getting older, like thirty-seven. You know, to make that weight two times in a row. I mean, she was already struggling with it before. She had a pull out of a UFC title <laughs> yeah, fight. Like, it was already issued before, and um, I think that you know it, it definitely could be lying closer. Um. It's just, you know, Gatto likes to fight off her back, and she's really young, you know. Do I think she's a better fighter than Carol Rosa? Not at all. But, you know, apparently she's got some good uh, arm attacks, man. So it's going to be close. I'll go on the other side. I'll say Eubanks by uh, close decision, just trying to, you know. Uh, Rose, all right. <laughs> like, just like, <laughs> but firstly, I, I love that dude he's talking about. Cody Safdie's yeah, a fucking great guy. Good, but. But like, I'm not uh, watching any shows. <laughs> we don't watch shit bro, <laughs> besides the fights we gotta get ready for. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but shout out to my boy. He's a great guy. PMN. Okay. But like, uh, yeah, I think she's just gonna slightly, it's gonna be close, like one to one going into the third. But I just think she kind of gives her a vet lesson. We'll see. Yeah. Um, now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a match between Justin Taffa. He's four and three. Taking on the one and only Harry Hunsucker, who is seven and four. And currently they got Justin Taffa minus three ten. The comeback on Harry Hunsucker is plus two fifty-five. So dude, I've I've heard anytime Hunsucker fights, you're gonna you're gonna hear some some funny ass shit on Fight Week. Uh, someone tweeted at me uh saying um <laughs> he's gonna make the bookies hunt suck it, you know. <laughs> so um yeah, I mean, listen, uh, Hunsucker, he comes to bang, man. He throws it's kill or be killed every single fight. And um, with his opponent, Justin Taffa, he, he's got a little bit of um, of that Mark Hunt style. You know what I mean? The big left hook. The, he's got good breaks off the clinch. Nice elbows. The leg kicks. He's got that Samoan warrior style, man. It's, Mar it's Mark Hunt uh, Jr., you know? So I enjoy what I see from him. I personally don't feel comfortable laying minus 310 on Justin Taffa, man. I think that he needs a lot of work, and I think that he's got a lot of potential. And I do think he's better than Harry Hunsucker, but, you know, a, a, a couple of these fights I've been wanting a little bit better performances, whether it was the Jared Bandera fight or um, but uh, Hunsucker is going to come out here and throw bombs. It's just, I'd say Taffa is probably the more durable guy here. And, and I think his hands are a little bit more solid. So give me uh, Justin Taffa to get it done. I just, you know, maybe he gets that first round knockout and he covers that price tag. I I, I would just proceed with caution with a four and three fighter at, at a price like that. Yeah, man. I feel like Taffa is one of these guys where, yeah, he's overrated, but. You know, he, he's put, he's been put in a spot where he just wasn't able to compete. I mean, he could compete with those guys, but actually beat them. You know, even Vandera, who might be considered a jobber, but, like, Vandera's got a lot of fights and won a lot of fights. So it's like, you know, he, he's at a different level than Harry Hunsucker, Carlos Boy, Felipe, all these guys, man. So, yeah, he's been struggling, and uh, he, I don't want to say he let himself down, but I think this is a good spot to get back on track, man. I, f I view Boy Felipe and uh, Vandera as better than this guy, Harry Hunsucker, man. This guy, when I mean, he probably would. Who's an NFC heavyweight? I don't know. Fucking Bolo. <laughs> like, could he beat Bolo? You know, uh, we'll see. But nah, I got Taffa here by first round KO. I, like, Harry Hunsucker is just that guy, you know, you bring in to to get one of your prospects back on track man you know you just bring him in hey harry just 
come take this knee and, and let my boy Tafa get his win on us. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, this should be very exciting. We've got Hayoni Barcelos. He's 16-2, and two, taking on Victor Henry, who is 21-5. and five. And currently, they got Hayoni Barcelos minus 350 to come back on Victor Henry's plus 285. So this is exciting because you guys know how we feel about Hayoni Barcelos. I think he's got all the skills. I, I think that, I mean, I think he's one of the best guys on planet Earth at that weight class. I know Shaq disagrees with me on this, but I don't even really think he lost that last fight. I mean, I mean, I think you put in the same referee that was in there with Trevin and and uh, Valiev, and that's a second round knockout for Hayoni Barcelos, man. Um, yeah, did he kind of take his foot off the gas when he when he shouldn't have? Yeah, that's something you can learn from. But only one guy almost died in the fight, and it wasn't Ioni, man. But back to this. Look, Victor Henry, I got a lot of respect for him, man. I mean, he kind of strikes me. Firstly, he's coming into the UFC with 26 fights under his belt, and he's beat some legit guys. He beat Kyler Phillips by decision. That That's that's a nice win. Now, it was Kyler around the Ultimate Fighter era, and we've talked about often how Kyler Phillips has made one of you know, a great transformation into what he is now. But still, that, that's a solid-ass win. Also beat a couple other UFC vets. Uh, Masanori Kanahara knocked him out, choked out Albert Morales, beat a bunch of the guys on the Japanese scene. So, I mean, like, it's not like he's in there, you know, fighting, like, 0-3 guys and this and that. At least he's fighting, like, you know, some legit competition outside the UFC. So he's earned his spot. He kind of has a bit of that, like, samurai spirit type thing. Kind of reminds me of, like, like, Lando and not not Jiri skills wise, but like Jiri maybe mentality wise. Um, the guy you'll find him doing some interesting stuff. He's also um, a protege under Josh Barnett. So you know Josh Barnett, uh, he touched UFC heavyweight gold, right? Mm-hmm. That long ass time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I mean to be coached by a former UFC world champion and just. A who's who in the sport. I, so I, Victor Henry's going to win some fights, man. I'm impressed with this guy. Um, he's got unorthodox kicks. He's got a nasty jujitsu game. He's experienced. He's tough. He comes to fight. My issue with Victor Henry is that physically speaking, although he's in fantastic shape, um, I do kind of think that he can be bullied at times. I do think he can be held down at times. I do think that he can lose certain pocket exchanges at times, especially against a guy like Hayoni Barcelos, who we've talked about this multiple times. Firstly, Hayoni Barcelos' dad is a red belt, which you guys know there's only like eight of those on planet Earth. And uh, Hayoni Barcelos is a black belt under him. So he's a black belt under a red belt. That speaks volumes to the kind of jujitsu credentials. And his boxing is so good that he had pro boxers bringing him out to help them train. So this is one of the most well-rounded guys in the whole divi- in, in the whole weight class, man. And I, I think that he – I personally think he's a top 10 guy right now. That's just my opinion. I'm, you know, you're allowed to disagree. And I'd also rank him higher than Valiev, but that's also my opinion, which you might disagree on. But bottom line, man, I think that Hayoni Barcelos is going to be tighter in the pocket exchanges. And if shit maybe gets sketchy on the feet, which I don't foresee happening, but just in case, Hayoni can always go to that back pocket, change that level, mix in that entry, get on top of him and ride out the rounds or possibly get a submission along the way. So while I do respect Victor Henry and I think he's going to win some UFC fights, and this isn't the typical, like, oh, my God, it's his debut. How is he fighting Hayoni Barso? Like, this isn't like Carlos Huachin where it was just like, you're just going to run through this guy, no issue. I, I, I think Victor, I think Victor's going to come to fight, man. It's just 
too much too soon at the UFC level. So give me Hione Barcelos to come out here and uh, win this fight uh, decisively. Yeah, I don't. I, I just think Hione's going to stop him early, man. I think uh, Victor Henry is coming in on short notice. Yeah, twenty six fights, but this is a this is a whole different ball game now, man. Not these Albert Morales, like <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like It'd be Kyler, but yeah, <laughs> like. A, I only would beat Kyler too, man. <laughs> true, 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 true. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, man, I only ain't losing back-to-back, man. Uh, the Valiev fight was a, a disappointment. I didn't want him to take that fight. I mean, I know Valiev was hungry to prove the uh, Trevin Jones fight was a fluke. And, I mean, Valiev is no slouch, man. Um, but, like, you know, you look at all these guys, Hyoni's fight. I mean, you saw what he did to Chris Gutierrez. I mean, he, he treated him like a small child. Uh <laughs> You know, Hollaball was a vicious finish. Um, who else did he fight? Uh, the uh, Taha fight. I mean, he, he comes out here. I just think he, you can't. You got to be careful with them Russian point fighters, man. They're they they're good at uh, they're good at weaseling decisions. And you know, props to Valiev, man. I've never heard Mark Henry scream that loud in a fight in my life. He was like, team, <laughs> like uh, when he was getting rocked. You know, he was screaming, but. I got Hione in this fight, man. This kid will be back, I'm sure, but on Saturday night he's gonna finish. For the first time in 26 pro fights, I believe. Well, let me let me double check that. Yeah, no, all his losses are by like split decision, and but look who he's fighting though. No, you're right. So that would be his first uh, finish loss if it were to take place. The next up in the middleweight division, we got a match between Gerald GM3 Mirshar. He's 33 and 14. Taking on Dustin Stoltzfus, who is thirteen and three, and currently they got Gerald Mershart minus two thirty. The comeback on Dustin Stoltzfus is plus one nineties. So, listen, I'm a big fan of Gerald Mershart. I mean, I think he's got the most submissions in middleweight middleweight history, and more than Damian Maya. I mean, that, that's pretty goddamn impressive, Shaq. Um, and I, I think he's a great fighter, man. It's just. Um, I'm not personally comfortable laying minus 230 uh, on Gerald. That's just that's just me, and that's all due respect to a true vet, a black belt, a guy with a hard body kick, a guy who just beat Mahmoud Muradov uh, as a big underdog. Uh, props to him on that. Dustin Stoltzfus, I, I think he's solid, man. I mean, I liked his contender series fight. Unfortunately, the Kyle Dawkins fight kind of got outgrinded, and then the uh, Rodolfo Vieira fight. Everybody counted out Rodolfo because of the fluffy fight, and Rodolfo stand up looked a lot better, and he ended up getting the submission in the third. So, at least for Stoltzfus, he's had two somewhat similar matchups, just in the sense that you know black belt in Dawkins, black belt in um, in Rodolfo, now another black belt Mirshart. So at least he's seen. Look, they're all different. They all bring different qualities and different traits but at least he's seen somewhat of a similar look to where he can come in here with the right game plan and maybe third time's the charm for him so i mean uh, what's what's your opinion here man um yeah i don't like mershard at those type of lines i like him as an underdog um and because he was the underdog to bartos if i'm not mistaken and the underdog uh to Miradov, obviously so I'm interested to see. Look, Stolfis might not be the best, but I definitely think there was improvements between the um, Dawkins fight and the uh, Rodolfo uh, fight. I mean, look, Rodolfo, a focus Rodolfo. I mean, he uh, good man. The jab was on point. He's got a Dustin's got to work on his head movement. But if he was ever gonna 
get away with it, it would be here, man. I mean, Gerald Merchard is not known for his striking besides his body kicks, but his punches, his head movement are not there. It's never been there. But, you know, Gerald has a way of working his magic on that ground, man, and he ends up uh, pulling off these subs. So I, I don't like Gerald as a favorite, just period. Like, when he wins, it's always an underdog. Like, the Trevin fight, he was the underdog. Um, you know, most of his fights, he's the underdog. So it's interesting to see him. I like Dustin Stolfus. I don't think he's that bad. Um, and he's got to be hungry, man. This job's on the line, too, pretty much. So, I mean, of course, I'm going to go with GM3 as a pick. But from a betting side of things, uh, I mean, I don't really see anywhere GM3 can go to in this fight to guarantee a win, even on the ground. Stolfus is a black belt. So, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm going to go with uh, GM3. Yeah, I mean, look, I feel relatively the same way. I think Stoltzfus is no slouch. I think he had two really tough matchups to enter the UFC, and here's another third tough matchup. But now it's a time where it comes to sink or swim, you know, like are you ready or not? And that's the bottom line here. And, I mean, I think the kid's solid everywhere, and I think that Gerald Mershar is such such a vet of this sport, man. I mean, like – to have near uh 50 pro fights like this dude has had like i mean like he's seen everything there is to see in the sport so like yeah I, i'm with you like i lean mirshard i think mirshard probably gets it done but i'm just not comfortable at a price like that um and i think like you said stoltz was, is going to come in here hungry he is no slouch so maybe third time's a charm for him, but I, I, I lean Mearshart. And when I say I lean, that means that minus 225 is not a lean type price, right? So, yeah, it's dog or pass, but my pick is Mearshart. Next up in the featherweight division, we got a match between Darren, the Damage Elkins. He's 26 and 9, taking on Killer Cub Swanson, who is 27 and 12. Currently, they got Cub Swanson minus 177, the comeback on. Darren Elkins is plus 157. So, I mean, Shaq, like, here's one thing we can agree on. Cub Swanson's going to light this dude up in the early going. There's no questions asked about that. It's just my my whole thing is Darren Elkins, not only does he have a knack for the comeback, but his name is the, the damage. He can take, for the most part, not always, but for the most part, he can take your hardest shots and keep coming forward. I'm very curious to see what happens if, you know, he gets lit up that first round, but finds a takedown, finds a back take. Like, I think if he takes cubs back he can choke him out man like i think that if he gets on top of cub there's no guarantee that cub gets back up but then on the feet there's no guarantee that elkins ain't hitting the ain't hitting the canvas right so how, how do you kind of see this one going man it's a tough fight because uh we know elkins is you know punching back on the feet it's just like if is he gonna if he gets him down is that really it because you know when I look at Elkins, at least the latest comeback win against um, Derek Minner, like Derek Minner was trying to grapple him, you know, like was trying to mount him and, and pass guard, man, which is like, I mean, I don't know if he's ever seen Elkins fight, but that's the last I would try to knock Elkins out with hands and kicks. Like trying to grapple him is like one of the biggest mistakes. That's what he wants. You know, like when we fought Mursad, Mursad kept trying to wrestle him. I was like, bro, just punch him in the head. But kept trying to take him down so i that's the on, the way i'm looking at it look cub swanson definitely um i mean this cub he's a legend of the sport like i'm not expecting him to like when he fights these guys like chikadze and moicano and 
uh, Ortega and, and stuff like that. You know, we uh, at least I am. I'm expecting him to lose because those are, you know, he's the gatekeeper for those guys. But when you give him like a fair matchup, in my opinion, it was someone his age somewhere, you know, like how long uh, they've been in the game. Like this fight kind of reminds me of the Lamas fight, man. I think Cub's going to, he can get up from bottom when he fought, um, what's his name? Daniel Pineda, man. Pineda got deep in on a couple of shots. He got up every time he sprawled on a couple. Like, I don't think, uh, unless he gets like cut open really badly, but I, I just don't see Elkins being able to inflict that type of danger. Like, like, Chikadze and Moicano and Ortega and these guys that he's been losing to. Like when you look at the guys he's been losing to, they're all like relevant, you know, top in the top guys in the sport. And that's where Elkins, you know, I like I like Elkins, man. Elkins, uh, we grew up on Elkins, man. It was just uh, and, Cub. and Cub. So, but like you know, it's just one of those fights where I I see Cub touching him up at an alarming rate. And, you know, and I do think he could get back up to his feet. Like, I'm not convinced if he gets taken down, that's it. Like, Cubs a black belt. Definitely has been submitted before, but we're talking about uh, Ortega and Moicano, like these big giants. Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Ortega beat Moicano as well. So, like, I just think it's a different level than the guys Elkins has been uh, coming back on. I think Cub just beats him up for three rounds, you know, probably Elkins ain't. You know, it's hard to get Elkins out of there, man. But I think uh, Cub wins a decision, man. 30-27. I mean, look, I can see it because on the feet, we, like if Elkins starts getting the better of those exchanges, you know, that would be a shocker to me. So I, I do see Cub Swanson just being more explosive, fast twitch. Um, the way he sets up his hands, man. His kicking game don't sleep on that either, man. And I've seen him hit a nice judo throw or two in his time. Remember when he judo throw Dennis Seaver? Uh, on the card where uh, Anderson fought Chris Weidman, and like you could hear the whole place shake on that. So I mean, Cub I Swanson. What he did to uh, Charles and Dustin. <laughs> you know, you, you know, he, he finished Charles in the first round and whooped on yeah. Dustin. So uh, yeah, I mean, Cub Swanson's a true legend, a pioneer. Um, but still, I I am worried about Darren Elkins has done this so many times where he's getting lit up early and then he. he takes your back and chokes you out or finishes you somehow i'm worried about him taking that ass whooping up front and coming back like I, I can't sit here and be confident that darren elkins is on top of him or darren elkins has his back that you know shit's not going to go south for cub swanson but at the same time elkins can't get these takedowns if you like kind of look back at a fight at a fight between elkins and jeremy stevens jeremy kind of laid out the blueprint on how to keep it standing and bust this guy up and you're going to go out there and win. So I do think Cub Swanson to follow that blueprint and I am going to pick Cub to win, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't sketched if Elkins got on top of him, if Elkins was mixing in takedowns, if Elkins took his back. I mean, that's that's what I'm worried about, man. But yeah, the pick is Cub. Just, you know, too fast, uh, too smooth on the feet. And hopefully for his sake, can keep it standing. Now, next up in the 55-pound division... Uh, we got a matchup between Carlos Diego Ferreira. He's 17 and four, taking on Matush Gamrot, who is 19 and one. Currently, they got Matush Gamrot minus 177. The comeback on Carlos Diego's plus 157. So, listen, um, Matush has been interesting because I was impressed with him on his regional scene, but then there was questions of, you know, is that record padded? Is it not this or that? I mean, Norman Park three times, whatever. But he handled those guys. Comes into the UFC and 
lays an egg in that debut, in my opinion. Uh, a lot of people say that's a high-level fight. I, I thought the Gamrod I saw in the regional scene compare, and the Gamrod I saw his next two fights compared to that one, I'm like, dude, that wasn't the same guy. But then you talk to literally anyone at ATT, and they said that Gamrod has such a bad injury, uh, a knee injury, I believe, that he was just not confident doing his game out there. But he didn't want to pull out because it was his UFC debut. So he kind of... The UFC didn't pressure him to take it. He pressured himself to take it. And as a result, he lost to a guy that he's actually probably better than. You know what I mean? Like, I think if they ran it back and Gamrot's at 100%, he's going to go out there and he's going to beat that guy. But here, now we're getting the best version of Gamrot. And the Carlos Diego Ferreira is a guy that I have so much respect for. I mean, his jujitsu game, I and mean, we talk about this every time, man. I mean, you saw what he did to Gary, Gary Tonin in pure jujitsu. Even those scrambles he was having with Gregor, man, I mean, there were times when I thought he was going to choke out Gregor, but, man, he kind of missed weight for that fight. He kind of broke towards the end. He didn't have the gas tank to keep going and keep pushing. And, and that's an issue in these fights against these grapplers. You know, a similar thing occurred uh, with, with Benil. He kind of... Like, if you can get past these Uma Plata attempts, if you can get past these guillotines, if you can get past what this guy, I mean, this guy will tie your arm behind your back and pound you out. Like, Carlos Diego is one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners in not just the lightweight division, but in the UFC. So, Matush has to be, he's got to be on his P's and Q's, but luckily for, for Matush, he's got that style to neutralize um, high-level grapplers. And... If he's able to do that, man, I, I think he can come out here and win another decision. The, the issue is that uh, Matouche does tend to shoot from like a mile out. He's got his own weird kind of takedown style. A lot of low singles, a lot of ankle picks, a lot of things that you don't uh, often expect. Um, but man, once he's on top of you, it's hard for guys to get up, to get up. And then on the feet, he's decent. He's solid. You, you know, I mean... He, 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 he can do the thing, right, man? I mean, never been knocked out. Just pretty damn solid. So, but Carlos can fight too, man. Carlos is, it's just like, I think Carlos has been struggling with these weight cuts, man, like over and over, and it lets him down as the fights go deeper. So that's what, um, that's what I'm worried about here. So I've been a huge fan of Carlos. He's came through for me on a lot of underdog tickets, but, I think in this one, I'm leaning Gamrot. I think the early going, there's going to be a lot of back and forth exchanges. But as Diego starts to tire, as he starts to fatigue, that's where I think Gamrot can just get a little bit extended top control and, and, and win two of the three rounds. So give me Gamrot to get this done. It's a tough one because I, I really don't know which Carlos Diego fair I'm dealing with. You know, um, the Benil fight, he lost the first two rounds and then. You know, no shame in that. And then the uh, the fight with uh, Gregor, I mean, he missed weight and, you know, he, uh, you know, gassed out bad towards the end, man. It was looking like a good performance at first, but he ran out of steam. Um, so, and I, I don't know if he's been at Fortis for this camp, man. Um, we'll see. I think he's just doing it back in his, uh, in his hometown, not Fortis, but like he lives somewhere else, but like, I'm not sure if he went out to Fortis at all. Um, Gamrod, I know he's training as hard as possible. Only only thing with Gamrod is, you know, coming into the UFC, I, I definitely thought he was overrated, padded record. I mean, I can't even say he handled Norman Park three times because one of them was close. <laughs> like they had to do a third fight. So, like uh, a third one, he <laughs> fucked him up so bad that Norman was apologizing to him. I mean, Norman's. I haven't been hearing good things about Norman, man. I should have even. Uh, 
Okay, cool. Um, I mean, Norman, I've been hearing some bad things about Norman over the years. Just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, as far as this fight goes, man, yeah, it's like a year ago, man, two years ago, Diego Ferreira would put a put a stamp on Gamrot. Um, but at the same time, Gamrot beat a 40-year-old Scott Holtzman. And, I mean, I know Jeremy ain't 40, but in five years, he's 40. Jeremy's like 0-7 <laughs> in his last seven like, fights. In the real scheme of things, like, you know, is should we be hyping him up that much because he beat two aging guys on their way out the game? Unless Carlos is on his way out the game, then I guess he'll fall right in line. But, fucking, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I'm still having questions about Gamrot. Like, I want to see a three-round, you know, 15-minute against a, a guy like Diego Ferrer to see what he's really capable of, man. I think Holtzman and Jeremy are a year away from retirement, if that, you know. Um, you said Jeremy's lost how many fights in a row? Seven? Well, he's winless because, remember, the eye poke was no contest. Winless uh, in his yeah. last seven or six. You no, know, they can't cut Jeremy, though. It's It's like... That's family. <laughs> but, but, uh, but Sam Alvey. <laughs> r- 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 <laughs> well, nah, look, they got a case about Sam Alvey, but you know, Sam Alvey is really nice, man. So, like, but don't worry, guys. I'm sure he'll be out of here soon. It's fighting Ian Heinish next. <laughs> He's going to lose a boring decision in that. And I think you guys will probably um, get what you wanted. But <laughs> I think, uh, man, it's tough for me to play that price on camera. I just wanted to see more. I'm not saying that he, he can't win. It's just. You know, I highly doubt you're about to just come out here and Camora, uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira, and, and or even you know knock him out. I mean, Carlos has a very good chin. I mean, I don't remember uh, the Tysonov fight back in the day and the Kabbalah fight back in the day on European turf. I mean, he broke both those guys. Um, and Pettis. And Pettis, man. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was easy work. Um, it. it uh, it's not like I want to pick Diego Ferrer. I'm just not 100% sold on Gamera. I know he's been training with some good guys. But I'm going to take Diego Ferrer in a, in a upset, man, just to kind of win the last two rounds and, and uh, keep his ranking, man. It would suck if Diego lost three in a row. man. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. I even have his shirt from back when he beat Ramsey Nijem. Uh Next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Rafael Asuncao, he's 27 and 8, taking on Ricky Simone, who is 18 and 3. And currently they got Ricky Simone minus 265. The comeback on Rafael Asuncao is plus 225. So another interesting one, man, in the Bantamweight division. I mean, for the longest time with Rafael Asuncao, he was, I mean, he was the gatekeeper to the elite and he beat most of the elite guys. I mean, Wins over Sterling, wins over TJ Dillashaw, Pedro Munoz, Marlon Moraes, Rob Font. Back in the day, beat Jorge Masvidal. So, I mean, in this dude's Lowe's on as well. In this dude's day, he was the man, but, you know, he's 10 years older than Ricky Simone. He's shorter. He's got the reach disadvantage, and he's got a very low output style. It's funny that it says he actually lands more than Ricky does, but Ricky fights at such a higher pace. And one thing I want to say about Ricky, man, that's so impressive about him is look at these takedown numbers, man. Uh, Just throughout his whole career, uh, Contender Series fight lands 14 takedowns. Goes in there against Marab, the takedown machine, uh, hits two takedowns on him. Seven takedowns on Montel. Four takedowns on a jujitsu ace, 
Ronnie Yaya, who's still winning fights to this day. Obviously, the Faber stunt happened. Next fight against Rob Font, lands six takedowns against him. Lands seven takedowns against Ray Borg. Lands seven takedowns against Perello. Lands six takedowns against Brian Keller. So one thing about Ricky Simone, he's out here putting up numbers, and he fights at an incredibly high pace. But you take it a step further, Asun Sal's got an 80% takedown defense so he's not known for exactly coming out here and giving up a lot of takedowns what he's known for is he sit he sits back and he counters and he kind of gives these guys somewhat of vet lessons but kind of like point fighting uh clinics it's just that he hasn't done that since 2018 and in addition to that his next is not it's one thing to lose three fights in a row but you know they're all like competitive spirited battles and this and that and you don't hold it against the guy but these last three fights from Asunsa is the sign that he's on his way out and, and, and Rafael is a guy that if I see him in person I'm shaking his hand he's from Atlanta I got all the respect in the world for him I mean he's a pioneer uh you know what he did for Atlanta MMA like dude you'll always have my respect like I fuck with Rafael it's just you know taking all that aside and talking from a betting perspective I haven't seen that same Raphael since 2018, Shaq. It's almost 2022. You understand what I'm saying? That was almost half a decade ago, the last time he, he truly looked like himself. You know, it's one thing. I know Marlon Marais has looked terrible lately, and Marlon ran through him. And if you want to really dig deep into that, they fought before, and Rafa won. So that's a sign of a step down. Sanhagen fight. That, that was an ugly fight, man. Rafa did not look good in that fight. But then... The Garbrandt fight. Fuck the knockout. Take away the knockout. What about up until the knockout? Because the knockout happened at the very end of the second round. That was by far the worst Rafael has ever looked in his entire career. And I finally saw that 39-year-old, that 40-year-old old man. And I just have a hard time. And I, I say this. I say I have a hard time seeing a 40-year-old beat Ricky Simon. But we all remember when a 40-year-old cost a lot of people a lot of money when he went out there and knocked out Ricky Simon in under a minute when uh, Uriah Faber did. But credit to Ricky Simon. I think he paid his dues. I think he took his lumps like a man. And now I think he's starting to live up to his potential. And this is the ultimate litmus test to see do you belong in the top 15 or not? And while it might be kind of hard to take down a sunset, and I'm also worried about the fact that like Ricky's stand-up ain't exactly the prettiest. Ricky gets rocked in a lot of these fights. I'm not just talking about the Uriah Faber fight. Hani Yaya dropped him. Anderson Dos Santos dropped him. So there are some durability uh, questions. I mean, he's in such good shape that he can recover fast. But at the flip side, Rafael ain't really exactly known for hurting too many people. So I think Ricky is going to push that pace on Rafael Asuncao, win the decision, move into the rankings. But here's my question, man. I mean, should, should I should I be out here parlaying Ricky, you know, minus 300 with, you know, someone like Hione? Like, can, can I trust him two years later to come out here and, you know, pass this test once again? Or, or do you think Asuncao can pull out another split decision out his ass? Yeah, it's, uh, you know... Ricky's definitely the one looking better, obviously. Uh, Rafael's, what, 39, 38? Like he's, and he already said in his uh, interview he knows. He's born in 82. He knows the uh, 82. That's like he's, he's 38. He's old. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I mean, 
It's definitely the the end is near. I mean, this fight is lined up for Ricky Simon to win. It's just you know you gotta because even though um, Simon's been doing his thing, I mean those three guys are pipsqueaks, man. Perello, Ray Borg, and uh, Ray Borg gets taken down like all the time. Um, The other guy got starched by De Silva. What's his name? Perillano. And then Kelleher, his takedown defense ain't good either, man. So, like, I've seen all three of those guys wrestled. Um, So I don't know how much credit I should get, but he definitely seems mentally like he's in the freshest spot, you know. Um, Those three fights should be a a nice little warm-up for, you know, the 13th-ranked guy, um, Asun Sal. You got to just play it smart, man, as long as he controls the action and don't get into... To wild exchange, I think he should outwork him or at least just move forward and be the aggressor. Um, since I likes to sit back and counter, and you know, you need your timing on point for that style. Uh, you need, you know, and it just doesn't seem like it's been that man. I've, you know, since I had a good run, man, I've met him more than more than a couple of times. Him and his uh brother, man. So I think uh, Ricky should win this fight just by moving forward, being aggressive. And not getting into into silly exchanges, you know what I'm saying? But he hopefully, proved, uh, <laughs> hopefully, he, proved, he took shots from Rob Fon after the uh, Faber Faber fight. He got cracked several times in that fight, and and he was fine. So I think uh, it's been put up to the test since too. All right. So before we talk about the featured bout between Amanda Lemos and Angela Hill, and then we got Bilal versus Wonder Boy, we got the main event. Just want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks. So, guys, in my opinion, Prize Picks is the easiest way to make money on daily fantasy sports. Uh, basically, it's you versus their projection. So, again, you don't have to enter pools with thousands upon thousands of people and pray to God that you get that six fighter optimal lineup. Here, you just pick between two to five players, and it can you can combine sports. And literally, Prize Picks has their projections of where they think the over under on significant strikes is going to be, what the overall fantasy score is going to be, over and under on takedowns landed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the spots that I love taking advantage of on Prize Picks is when they have like a grappler, like for example, like Andre Muniz, who throws like zero strikes. You take the under on significant strikes on a guy like that, you're going to cash out every time. Brendan Allen, another grappler, I know he struck against Puna, but he wasn't going to strike against uh, Chris Curtis. Well, he tried. It didn't go as well. Mm-hmm. It didn't go his way. I mean, his over-under on significant strikes was like 50. I'm like, dude, he ain't landing no 50 significant strikes on this guy. So smash the unders on the significant strikes for these grapplers. You know, one that actually lost was uh, Julian Robertson. I took the under there, and it missed by like two strikes. So overall, I think long-term, if you attack that angle and you look at these strike, uh, these grapplers and take the unders on their significant strikes i think you're going to come out ahead so all half the battle listeners will receive an 100 percent instant deposit match at prize picks up to a hundred dollars by using the code battle at pricepicks.com or on the prize picks app prize picks has no sharks optimizers or mass multi-entry is literally just you versus their projection so like i said this week if you disagree with their projection on chris Dacus, if you disagree with it on on Steven Thompson, because, you know, sometimes Steven Thompson doesn't throw that many strikes. Sometimes Steven Thompson gets into a staring match. Let's say Bilal Muhammad comes in here and gets a couple takedowns. Then you're going to see even less strikes. 
I would eye the under on the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson uh, strikes, uh, significant strikes landed. And there's some other spots too. You can go the over unders on takedowns. Like there's so many things to take advantage of, and you don't have to worry about all these people competing against you. It's literally just, oh, prize picks. I disagree with that projection. And uh, as a result, I'm going to take advantage of it. So prize picks. Like I told you guys already, they allow mixed sports entries. So this weekend, you take the over-under on Chris Dacus. You like something in NFL, combine it with that. You want to do same sport, different sport, whatever the case may be. The options are, are really entirely up to you. PrizePix has a slick, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they got a 4.8-star rating in the App Store with rave reviews. So guys... I truly believe the best and easiest way to make money on daily fantasy sports is with prize picks. Make sure you use our code battle for that deposit match up to a hundred dollars and give prize picks a try today. And let me know what kind of entries y'all are putting in, man. Cause, uh, I've been cashing out on prize picks and I think y'all should too. So prize picks use the code battle for, uh, in a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Now, Shaq, let's break down this, uh, this featured bout. So next up, in the strawweight division, we got a match between Amanda Lamo. She's 10-1-1, taking on Angela Hill, who is 13-10. And, and currently, they got Amanda Lamo minus 300. The comeback on Angela Hill is plus 250. So, I mean, dude, we can't deny the kind of power that Lamo brings to the division. It reminds me of Andrade in the sense, not, not the way they fight, but in the sense that they both drop two weight classes, and the power just translated out of this world so you're getting someone in lamo you don't often see that strawweight is landing knockdowns in there it is blowing people out the water is knocking heads into the fifth row so you just love to see it and she's got a bit of that davison figueredo style uh just for for a strawweight woman right uh so she's very impressive to watch and i, I would i would not be surprised if one day she fought for a ufc title and angela hill i mean she's such a grizzled vet man i mean she's literally been in there with everybody in the weight class um win or lose i mean she's fought she's fought the who's who man she's been in the ufc i mean her her ufc debut was in 2014 man and prior to that she was on the ultimate fighter so she's been doing her thing for a long time and i mean she's got decent muay thai you know the deal i'd actually say she's more technical than than amanda lamos my my uh, issue here is how does she react to the shots that Lemos is going to land? Because if you want to like kind of bring up certain examples, I saw Randa Marcos rock Angela Hill in that first round, go out there and get that finish. But then I've also seen Jessica Andrade be able to you know beat her up for three straight rounds and angela didn't go down so angela is durable angela is going to come to fight it's just do you think this power and just oncoming storm of uh amanda lamos is too much right now for angela yeah i think you know she's probably you know in my opinion at least like one of the locks of the night look angela hill this is more so angela angela hill hasn't improved the way that everyone thought she has man like it's still the same issues of her going too hard early and then gassing out late um and oh, you forgot you forgot a key detail what do you mean and crying split decision yeah, after you know, crying, <laughs> crying robbery you know so, i beat you and now yeah like all that shit. <laughs> so it's like i don't i don't see the improvements all she proved was you know she could when i mean firstly she's lost three of her last four and you know only that one win was ashley yoder but even before that it's like uh 
she she proved that she could beat the the newcomers like Karna Lassi and uh, Luke Boomi and things like that. You know, those are the chicks she was beating. Every time you put her up against a, a ranked girl or someone established, what happens? Every single time, man, she loses. Um, Lemos, in my opinion, man, since uh, she fought, man, what's that girl? Um, she won by decision, actually. She Mizuki. Won. Mizuki, yeah. Ever since she, ever since that fight, man, she kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Like she can go three rounds. Um, I guess if you want to say any weakness, I guess you would have to say, you know, the the Brazilian cardio. But I think, uh, I think, man, uh, Angela Hill has cardio problems, man. I think like people always act like she's this volume machine and how she can do all this but the results aren't there man and they never have been there um you know she she likes to say she won these fights but you know i I disagree man i think uh lemos is gonna come out here and and put on a statement man she's too powerful the setups are too nice a better counter striker he'll just moves forward taking shots and you know the last fight with tisha torres in my opinion was a a garbage performance like uh, People thought that fight was going to be a split decision. It wasn't even close to a split decision, man. So uh, I'm going to go with the. Um, I'm going to go with the. <laughs> I can't wait for Waleed's uh, promo as well. <laughs> I'm going to go with Lemos. By dominant decision, man. She probably. A hell might last 15 minutes, but I'm thinking 30 26s, 30 27s, uh, a, a knockdown in there somewhere. Like this girl is very focused in there. She setups on the counters are very nice so i think angela hill's in big trouble man i think lemos is gonna put on a show yeah i mean look also amanda lemos she's a southpaw she's the taller fighter she's got the reach advantage she's got the youth advantage she lands more um she's more accurate and most importantly for this division she's more powerful man and she's got that wide stance kind of like davis and figueredo and when it's her time to explode i mean bodies tend to hit the floor and you don't often see women coming out here and landing knockdowns at the strawweight division check her last three fights she's landed four knockdowns okay let me see how many knockdowns angela hills landed in her entire career all right one against gadelia it says she dropped jessica andrage back in 2017 and one against emily kagan so since 2014, there's only been three knockdowns landed for Angela Hill. Since since 2020, there's been four for Lamos. So what I'm trying to say is that Lamos, her firepower, her explosiveness, I think it's going to be too much for Angela Hill here, whom Angela might, you know, technically speaking, have the cleaner combos and this and that, but. Power can override technique in this weight class. We spoke about that uh, a hell of a lot of times. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got to go with Amanda Lemos to, to make a statement here. Um, and I'm very excited to see how it goes down, you know. Let, let's not let's not let Angela cry robbery one more time. Like, let's make this decisive, you know. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sick of her being like, I'm on an eight-fight win streak. Like, <laughs> It's like, no, no, Angela, you're not. Um, so uh, give me Amanda Lamosh to come out here and uh, make a statement and further her ascent up the, up the rankings. Now, next up, they got the co-main event in the evening. We got Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's 16 and five, taking on Bilal Muhammad, who is 19 and three. And currently they got, it just depends where you look. They got Stephen Thompson, 
minus 220. The comeback on Bilal Muhammad is plus 180. There were some plus 200s available yesterday. I mean, look, Steven Wonderboy always been a puzzle to solve, man. I mean, uh, he's got one of the most unique styles in the entire sport. He's paid his dues. He's been there. He's done that. He, he's the litmus test right now. At this point of his career, he's a gatekeeper. Um, he's officially number five. I know on Tapology he's six, but in UFC, he's number five. Bilal's number 10. I mean, this is Bilal's big chance. I mean, Bilal's been working for years to get an opportunity like this to come out here and beat someone like this. I mean, he's won what? Like nine of his last 10. I mean, Bilal ain't no slouch, man. So uh, do you think he has what it takes to solve the serious puzzle that's given so many great fighters fits over the years? I mean, we're talking about a guy in Wonderboy knocked out Whitaker. We're talking about a guy beat Jeff Neal and Luke. Two guys that actually beat Bilal. How you see this one going down? Yeah, I mean, Steven's getting up there in age for sure. You got to worry about, um, you know, his timing and his reflexes and whatnot. Um, yeah, it's tough because, you know, his last fight, he was doing good. But, you know, Burns is a is a real threat with that uh, jiu-jitsu. And Burns is just, you know, number one, number two in that division. So, um, man, Bilal... It's tough because he's very well rounded. Like I think he can I think he can do everything. Wrestle, kickbox, clinch, all that good stuff. It's just uh in terms of the dang he's gotta be on point the entire time, man, you know, because he is a little prone to getting wobbled here and there. Um Steven has been knocked out, but I would say, man, in that Luke fight and Jeff fight, I mean, he ate some shots and he was he was completely fine, man. I was very, uh, very impressive, but I don't see him ever getting back into that that real thick of the title race ever again. Bilal, I think he could make it close. Like I don't think he's gonna get beat up or anything. It's just like, is he gonna, is he gonna win, man? <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I gotta go with Steven, man. I just think, uh, you know, he'll put pressure on him and things like that, and I think he'll do good. But to actually beat him on points he's really not a guy that's known for uh you know finishing guys but he's gonna have to outwork him and, and hold him down for spurts of time and i just don't think that's what he what he can do like gilbert burns can um i think he's just gonna have to hope steven's old and, and has an off night man um which is possible i mean it could definitely happen but I, I see steven being too diverse too much of an arsenal i do see him getting a knockdown at some point uh, or uh, you know a decent wobble um so yeah, I'm gonna go with Steven. But I don't know if you can pay pay this price for him now, man. Um I know a lot of people are saying it's an easy fight, but <laughs> Bilal, you know, he ain't no oh man, he, he'll fight to the end. So um, but I am gonna go with Steven for the win. I think I'm gonna be on an island on this one. Take the underdog Bilal Muhammad at plus two hundred odds here. Listen, man. Um, we can sit here and we can talk about how well uh Steven beat Jeff Neal and Vicente Luque, who both beat Bilal. But that's just MMA math. And if you want to really get down to the nitty gritty, can you answer this for me? In eight combined rounds, because the Jeff Neal and, and Steven fight was a five-round fight and the Vicente Luque was a three-round fight, in eight combined rounds, how many takedown attempts did Jeff Neal and Vicente Luque try out? Zero. You can't be Steve, unless you're going to knock him out like Pettis did, which a lot of people consider to be a fluke. You can't beat Wonder Boy without takedown attempts. I mean, unless... You're going so there's there's two ways to beat Steven Wonderboy. A fight where not much happens, but you just 
kind of do slightly more than him, kind of like Darren Till did or kind of like <laughs> Woodley did, by the way. Or, you know, knock him out like Pettis did, which I, I don't really see happening. Bilal's not really that kind of guy. Bilal's more, he'll put you through the meat grinder. But every single fight that Steven Wonderboy has been taken down in, he hasn't won. Whether it was the Gilbert Dorino fight, where Gilbert went three for six on his takedowns, whether it was the Tyron Woodley fight, whether it's all the way back in the day to the Matt Brown fight, where Matt Brown went five for 13 on takedown. So anytime that wonder boy has been taken down in a fight, he's lost. And if there's one thing I know about this guy, Bilal Muhammad, unless he's fighting Damian Maya, he's going to go out there and attempt takedowns. Um, I, I had the number calculated on how many uh, takedowns Bilal's attempted, not just landed, attempted throughout his career. And it was upwards of like 20, 30, 40. Like this guy's going to come out here and shoot takedowns. Look, if he decides to, you know, try to do a nice little point fighting uh, game on the outside with Wonderboy, yeah, I mean, that'd kind of be a dumbass mistake. If he tries to recklessly brawl with Wonderboy, that's stupid as fuck, too. But make this a dirty, gritty brawl. Get right in this guy's face. Make him wrestle the entire time. And I think that Bilal's got the chance to come out here and cash as an under. Look, like I said, you can give me all the MMA math about how well Wonderboy beat Vicente and beat Jeff Neal and blah, lost to those guys. Yeah, but in eight combined rounds, Vicente and Jeff attempted a grand total of zero takedowns on Steven Wonderboy. Bilal ain't an idiot. Bilal's going to come out here and try to take this guy down. And I just have a heart. Look, I, I respect Steven like crazy. I mean, I made money on Steven back when he fought Johnny Hendricks at Dog Money. I made money on Steven back when he fought Rory McDonald at Dog Oz. The dude's almost 40 now. I just don't think I could be wrong. I just I just don't see a 40-year-old beating Bilal Muhammad in a fight, uh, period. So, yeah, I think it's going to be dirty. I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be grimy. I think he's going to get right in Steven's face, mix in the takedowns, hopefully hold him down. Going to have to overcome a couple sketchy moments in the past. Uh, I mean, uh, th throughout the way, you know what I'm saying? I mean, get caught with one of those spinning heel kicks or get caught with a straight, whatever the case is. I mean, Wonderboy is so goddamn good at his very unique style. But plus 200 on a guy who I know is going to fight for my money. And like I mentioned, that key takedown stat, anytime Steven's been taken down at least once in a fight, he hasn't won. So come on, Bilal, let's get these takedowns, man. Let's cash this plus 200. So I'm going with Bilal Muhammad to get the biggest win of his career enter the top five before the new year and defeat Steven Wonderboy Thompson. So give me Bilal for the dub. Main event of the evening in the heavyweight division. This is good, Shaq. We got the UFC KO King, Derek the Black Beast Lewis. Hold on one second. I'm just pulling up his record. We got Derek the Black Beast Lewis, who's 25 and 8, taking on, I mean... A guy who was four for four with four home runs, four for four with four knockouts, Chris Dacus, who was 12 and three. And currently they got it. Chris Dacus minus 140. The comeback on Derek Lewis is plus 120. So look, I know you can make the argument Dacus has the faster hands. I know Dacus has been impressive. He's got the black belt in jujitsu. We got five rounds to work. Lewis is a durable guy. Do you think right now? that Dawkins has the goods to look. I know he's going to light up Lewis early. That's not in question. Does he have the goods to have the, the focus, the composure 
to be able to come out here and not, you know, not empty the load and then get knocked out down the stretch like he did the last time he lost a fight. Because, I mean, one thing about Lewis, man, I'm one, yeah, one thing about Lewis, man, like I get that it might look a certain way, it might be low activity until he decides to blitz, but he is an elite heavyweight. You don't just beat Francis Ngannou. And, yeah, boring fight or not. You don't just beat Francis Ngannou, Alexander Volkov, Curtis Blades, and all the other guys he's beaten and just be some slouch. So Chris Dacus, this is the biggest fight of his career. Is he ready to rise to the occasion? Yeah, I mean, he's risen to the occasion before. I know Lewis is a, a different entity. I mean, this guy's knocked out the guys that you just mentioned. I mean... That's something Chris Dawkins hasn't done. But uh, Chris Dawkins, I mean, he's been passing these tests with flying colors. I mean, you would think that, you know, we'd have at least one, you know, a little sketchy moment in there. But he's been doing his thing. He's been putting these guys down. Um, Lewis definitely accomplished more. But we can't. Lewis is uh, known for these comeback KOs, and some of them are great, especially the ones like uh, Curtis Blades, man. That one, that one made me jump out of my seat when he did that. But I think... Uh, and it's a tough fight because Dawkins, you got to be on your P's and Q's for 25 minutes. He's never gone 25 minutes, um, at least in the UFC. Derek has plenty of time. So Derek uh, definitely has the advantage in that sense, the experience. Now, the skills has been a, a, a big thing for uh, Lewis. A lot of people don't think really he's that good, but I think his best skill is his, his heart. I don't think you're going to see him throwing, you know, nicely timed combos down the middle and, and paying shots because he really doesn't need to he needs to just touch guys and and then let the uh <laughs> let the madness ensue man so i think uh chris Dawkins definitely has faster hands more accurate um but he's gonna need to keep his composure on point man he's gonna need to this guy is dangerous for 25 minutes i would actually like to see Dawkins the underdog but you know i i when you haven't really had any trouble in any of your fights, I think that's a good uh, a good way to you know separate prospects, man. Of like who's more who's more prone to taking their first L and who's not, man. I think uh, you know Derek Lewis. I mean, man, he only lost a surreal gone Cormier. Um, I know he lost to JDS, yeah. <laughs> But I think he was hurt for that fight. Mark Hunt, yeah, he kind of has some weird losses on there. You'd think he would beat those guys. But, man, it's a tough one, man. I, I was hoping Dawkins was going to be the underdog just with uh, all the experience um, all the experience he, uh, Lewis has. But so from a betting perspective, I'm, I might stay away because, I mean, you know, this guy's got, like, how many more fights than Chris, like, uh, a, a lot. lot more, you know, especially <laughs> at the high level, man. This is like we were just on prelims, and I and I love Chris, man. I've been saying from day one uh, that I think this guy's the real deal. Like this guy's hands. When he did that to Parker Porter, I was like, whoa, like this guy uh, is no joke. And then he followed that up with the Nascimento fight. But all those guys are, you know, younger heavyweights. So we'll see. But uh, I'm gonna pick Chris Dawkins as a pick by knockout. But from a betting perspective, uh, I was hoping he was the dog. So I mean, are we laying chalk on a cop or are we taking dog odds on uh the UFC KO King? I know it's funny to word it like that, right? Like make it seem like, oh, it's an obvious pick on Derek. I know I know that ain't the case. I know that Chris Dawkins has some of the fastest hands in the division. Come out here four for four with four knockouts. I mean, that can't be written off. I just still have these questions about what happens if these fights get extended. Now I I 
greatly acknowledged the fact that after that fight where he got knocked out by the bum that lost to Justin Ledet, that, man, he slimmed down tremendously. You know what I mean? Like, And now we're seeing that peak form uh, Chris Dacus, man, and, and it's a beautiful thing to see. And we still haven't even seen this black belt in jiu-jitsu at, at, at the UFC level yet, right? So there's a lot I want to see from Chris Dacus. It's just with Derek Lewis, man, he doesn't have to be winning the minutes of the fight. He doesn't have to come out here and establish a jab. Like, he doesn't need to do any of that. He can literally do nothing. And, and when he decides to do the black beast blitz, that's when bodies tend to hit the floor. And Chris has been KO'd. He, he doesn't have an invincible chin. Um. Now, Lewis has been stopped multiple times as well, too. So it could go either way. It's not going to surprise me to see Chris Dacus come out here and continue his ascent. I mean, he's, I think he might be catching Lewis at the right time. But five rounds, Lewis, get me to this third round, man, and then turn up on this guy and knock him out. So I'm going Derek the Black Beast Lewis, man, to uh, come out here and knock out Chris Dacus. Uh, someone asked, what are Chris's defensive stats? So they're great. I mean, his striking ratio is amazing, but you just got to understand none of these fights have gone the full distance. They've all been uh, either first-round knockouts or early second-round knockout. But Chris lands nine strikes per minute. <laughs> he's 53% accurate. He only absorbs 3.4, and he's got 64% defense. So, I mean, he literally has um, Derek covered across the board minus the strikes absorbed uh, in, in the striking numbers. But then he shot zero takedowns his entire UFC career. Does that change here? That's a that's a big question I have. But then again, Der uh, Derek Lewis is hard to submit, man. I mean, he'll lay on his back, but when it's time for him to explode, he tends to get back up and then he tees off on these guys. So Derek's just got to be, he's got to be careful early, man, because these hands of Dacus are, unbelievably fast for the heavyweight division no questions asked they're accurate they're precise uh the technique is nice too so Derek has to be early you know just chill don't do much for the first 10 minutes i mean unless you see that opening but i think by the third round that's where I'm, I, I just got this question like is chris gonna start slowing down hit that dip and then start eating shots where you don't want to eat shots against the black beast so that's what i'm worried about for chris so I got a lot of questions. I could see it go either way, but since I still have a lot of things that need to be answered, give me Derek Lewis for the upset to extend the record for most knockouts, not just in heavyweight history, Shaq, in UFC history. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So uh, in your opinion, my man, for the final event of 2021, what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas 45? Um, my fight to watch is going to be the, the featherweight legend fight, man. Cub Swanson versus Elkins. I mean, we got two, uh, in my opinion, legends of the sport. But, like, you know, I want to see who's going to get the better of this one, man. I know whoever wins gets a, gets a lot of money. And, you know, uh, Darren Elkins, if he can pull off another comeback, man, I mean, that would be crazy, especially, especially with the type of beating that I think he's going to take on the feet. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, my fight to watch is the co-main event between Wonderboy and Bilal. Look, I know aesthetically it might not be the most exciting fight to watch to the casual eye, and I mean that with no disrespect, but it's going to be a chess match. It's going to be a tactical battle, and one mistake could cost either guy this fight. I mean, Bilal gets hit with the wrong shot. That could be it. Steven can't get up from bottom. That could be it. So, I'm very excited because, like, Wonderboy, he actually ended year 2020 with a win over Jeff Neal, gave him a lot of momentum. He was on the last 
uh, card of the year. Now he's on the last card of the year, except this time co-main event instead of main event. He beats Bilal. All of a sudden, he's back in the conversation. Bilal beats him. He jumps the line all the way to the top five and takes Stephen Wonderboy's spot. So I'm pumped for this co-main event. It's going to answer a lot of questions. And I also... The line is kind of intriguing too. So, Bilal versus Wonderboy is my fight to watch. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Vegas 45? Um, my fighter to watch is going to be uh, Amanda Lemos, man. I want to see how she performs. You know, if we get another finish here, man, these, from what I've been hearing, some of these girls have been selling her no, like, where I'm not fighting you. So, uh, at least that's coming from uh, Waleed. And, you know, Waleed ain't making no shit up. So, uh, 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 Amanda, who? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he was like, after this one, they'll have no choice but to fight her. And, you know, I want to see, I kind of want to get her like a, a fast track to the title. Cause I mean, you know, other than, Who's who's the number one contender? Carla. Uh, yeah, I mean, she did beat Rose before, but um, I guess you know. But you got Marina in there. You got um, you know, a lot of. We should might as well put Lemos in there too, man. Yeah, my fighter to watch is Hione Barcelos, man. I've had high expectations on this guy since day one. He's 34. He's in his prime right now. I mean, this is the best he's going to get. And if he wants to make that title run, I mean, you can't, you can't be taking rounds off here. And I think he's going to make a statement against a very tough Victor Henry. And honestly, I think Victor Henry comes back and he wins some UFC fights. Like, I like this kid a lot. It's just Hione's on a different level. And I truly think that Hione has the skills to be a top 10 guy right now. It's just about like, dude, come out, come out here and prove it, man. So Hione is my fighter to watch. Well, everybody, thank you all so much for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Not the last show of the year, because we'll be back next week to do our awards, you know, KO of the year, fighter of the year, stun of the year, rookie of the year, like so so many of the years uh, that we're going to be doing next week. So we can't wait to do that. Everybody do us a huge favor. Smash that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Retweet our tweets. Share the show. Like, I, I feel like since we took a two-month break, a lot of people don't know that we're back. So y'all do us a huge favor. Let people know that we're back. We're out here doing this again, and we're very excited to be here, and we truly appreciate all your support. So thank you guys so much. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify. All the places where we are available, check out our sponsor, PrizePix. Use the code BATTLE for an 100% deposit match up to $100 on the easiest and best way to make money in daily fantasy sports. Thank you guys so much. We truly appreciate it. Follow Shaq, MMA Genius 05. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. We'll see you guys next week. Enjoy the fights. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.